Good evening. My name is Mitzi Myrie and I'm privileged to bring the Word of God to you today on behalf of Woodies Community Church. And I have spent some time going over um, a number of scriptures that the Lord has brought to my attention. And I have a, a real mixed bag of scriptures that I believe God would have us to, to, to hear and to um, and to be encouraged by so that we can continue to do the work that he's called us to do. So in thinking about my my message, I was thinking, what what would I call it? So initially I called it the enemy within. But I don't want to focus on anything too sinister. So as I got more and more into, you know, where God was leading me, I decided to call this cook up rice. Cook up rice. Now, when I was a young girl uh, living at home with my parents, uh, my mum used to make cook up rice. And what that essentially was, it was rice with you know leftovers leftover meats uh vegetables uh with a nice um you know coconut infused rice um and i loved it it was a mixture of everything so we're gonna have um some cook up rice today and i pray that god will uh will sustain you with it um you know it will have a lovely taste um, and it will be nourishing above all else. So today, um, you know, the Lord has put on my heart a number of, of scriptures that I've been able to pull together. And um, in doing so, I believe that uh, these scriptures, this food is going to help us to continue our walk with the Lord, uh, help us with our daily endeavours and ultimately help us to reach the prize now, Philippians 3 and verse 14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It said, I press towards the mark. That means that God has somewhere for us to go. And that somewhere is unique to each and every one of us. You know, it's, this is not a time for us to be comparing ourselves to one another to our neighbors but God has got a destiny for you and that destiny may require <clears throat> excuse me it may require our effort to get to where God wants us to be so Paul said in Philippians that he had to press and I pray that the word of God that I, um, I bring to you this today will help you to press towards that mark. So I'm going to start off with a, a well-known passage of scripture in Romans 7 and verse 16. And this is one of those scriptures that you have to read and reread. And I'm going to attempt to read it for you from the King James Version. And Paul says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law 
that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that when, so that with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So there we have Paul's account of the toing and froing that goes on within him and within you and I on a regular basis. There's always things that we want to do that we know we should do, that we intend to do. There's, we don't have to be convinced to do it, and yet we don't. And yet we end up doing the thing that we don't want to do, we shouldn't do, and yet we do. So Paul was lamenting about this, this drama that he was going through, that his mind knew what needed to be done, but yet his, his flesh, his members were, were leering him to do that which he didn't want to do. And he would succumb. And Paul was no different from you and I today. So we have these common struggles, but I am bringing to you the good news through the word of God, through the prominence of God's word that God has made a way of escape. If you recognised yourself in that passage in Romans, let me encourage you that God has made a way of escape. And we will see during this message some of the things that you can do to overcome some of those internal struggles. Now, Les Brown he is a well-known motivational speaker. And I've been listening to some of his messages recently. And he said something that, that made, me, made me stop and ponder. He said, when there is no enemy within, the enemy outside can do you no harm. And I literally thought, that sounded so good. That sounded so profound. But what exactly do you mean? And he goes on to say that when you refuse to allow any doubts in your own mind, then no doubts from others will ever cloud your judgment. 
Now, what doubts is he talking about? Well, I say to you that God says things to you and about you. And God knows you better than you know yourself. And when God tells you how valuable you are to him, when God gives you that vision and that goal and that unction and that dream and that desire, we should not allow the enemy within, our members, to talk us out of what God has got in store for us. That often God can put things within our reach and we allow our thoughts and our own view of ourselves to talk us out of what God has promised us. So you need to believe what God has said about you and nobody else. The greatest challenge and the greatest obstacle any human will face is their own doubts, their own fears and their own conditioned thoughts. If you want to live your dream, you have to fight for it. You have to fight the greatest battles of your life. The Bible says in Timothy 6 and verse 12, that we are to fight the good fight of faith. There's another word there. We heard Paul talk about pressing pressing towards the mark. And now we're told about fighting the good fight of faith. But the enemy, the internal enemy, is where is often where the battle is. That you have to battle what may seem like an army in your own mind. An army of doubt, fear of failure, fear of judgment, fear of what people may think, fear of going against what you were always told you could never do. And sometimes it's the own it's the own perception of yourself. It's your own voices. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not educated. So-and-so can do it better than me. I'm, I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm hopeless. I've tried everything. I'm tired. No one believes in me. Everyone's against me. And often they are the lies of the enemy. And they're often things that people have said about you. People who do not know you the way your God does. But when you learn to control and renew your mind, you can direct that internal voice to work for you rather than against you. And it's important that we do renew our minds because we have to undo a lot of the views of other people and even ourselves that have hindered us and restrained us and prevented us from doing what God has prepared you to do, what God has equipped you to do, and what God has designed you to do. You see, he's equipped you, prepared you, and designed you for it. And yet, it's the words that we say to ourselves that will stop us in our tracks. There was a a, a saying I read once, um, something along the lines, if your best friend spoke to you the way you speak to yourself, you wouldn't have them as a friend. 
Don't allow your inner thoughts to rob you and dictate to you. Now, I watched a, a film a couple of months ago, and it was a film uh, which featured Winston Churchill, and it was called The Darkest Hour. Um, and I don't particularly know why I watched the film, but there was. But I do like history, um, and I can be a bit of a geek at times. So I watched this film, and you know the whole setup of Winston Churchill's. Um, you know, he, his rise to the role of a prime minister was controversial. He was not a popular choice for prime minister. In actual fact, the prime minister at the time during the war, he was uh, he, he was forced out because um, there was no there was a vote of no confidence against him. Uh, the person that was most suited to take over from him wasn't ready so they had to find someone to take that spot and they they chose Winston Churchill to many people that would have been a poison chalice and many people didn't like him didn't care about him and just expected him to fail and I was really intrigued by what he had to go through some of the fights he had to fight in the face of opposition, not from the opposition party, but members of his own party, and and how how little confidence that they had in him, even the king at the time didn't like him, and yet here he was, the leader of the country, in this place of solitude, having to make a decision about England's approach in fighting the Nazis during World War II. And he was surrounded by, you know, prominent members of his cabinet who wanted him to actually approach Hitler um, and make peace. And when I, when I watched that, I thought, are you joking? That these, these, these cabinet members, they were actually considering that the position that England were in at that time, in 1940, was so weak that they were better off making peace with the Nazis. I was just amazed. And yet, Winston Churchill, he was very opposed to it. And he did everything he could to delay that ever happening. And at times, he, he rallied the country just to keep their spirits up. And he, he, he made a speech and I wanted to read some of his speech because some of what he said, we need to apply to our life for us to keep going, especially at this time of lockdown when there's so much uncertainty, there's so many issues, it's unprecedented. Um, we don't know where we can go. We don't know what's safe. Some people may not know whether they've got jobs, how much income they have, what the future holds. But one thing I know is that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And in him, we must put our trust. So Winston Churchill, he said in his speech, and he was talking about, you know, trying to, to, to rouse 
um, you know, the parties and, and the power movers and shakers. And he said, we shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and the oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island. Whatever the cost may be, we shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And I thought, wow, what, what a statement to make. What a statement to make. This was a man that was prepared to pay the price to save, to save this country. To save England. Whether he believed it or not, he chose to fight rather than to make peace with the Nazis. Now, sometimes in our life, we have to make the same decision. Are we going to fight or are we going to make peace with the enemy? Does that make sense? Can you make peace with the enemy? Can the enemy be trusted? Can you make peace with your members? No, you can't. Your members want to have dominion over you. Your flesh, your doubts, your routines, where you may find yourself. They want to keep you where you are rather than see you progress. But we must fight. We must fight the good fight of faith. In Galatians 6 and verse 9, it says... And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. And my word to you today is faint not, because in due season, you will reap. We need to stir ourselves up. And that's never easy. But that's what the Bible says we should do. And we can do through the word of God through reading about the examples of men and women in the Bible and the adversity that they overcame. Now, at this time of lockdown, it's easy to think, you know, what does my future hold? Is it worth pursuing the goals that God has given me? Yes, it is. I would say to you, it is. Let this be a time, uh, a time of incubation, a time of reflection and withdrawal to sharpen yourself not to put a pause on what God has in store for you so I want to give you another example and this is from 2nd Kings 7 and verse 3 and this just to give you a bit of background um, the um, the Sumerians were being besieged by the Syrians and just outside the gate of the Syrian wall, there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? And I say to you, why sit you there till you die? Why sit we here till we die? The leprous men, they knew they were going to die because they had leprosy. They knew they were potentially going to die because of the siege. 
but yet they got up and they decided why should we sit here and wait for it to happen why if we say we enter into the city then the famine is in the city and we shall die if we sit here we die also therefore come and let us go into the host of the Sumerians if they save us alive we live and if they kill us we shall but die so they decided to go to where the enemy had camped they were going to die anyway but they even in their death they wanted some control and they were not afraid of what was going to happen because they had come to terms that it was going to happen at some point anyway so they said why sit we here till we die and they arose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria behold there was no man there for the lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses even the noise of a great host and they said one to another lo the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us wherefore they rose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses even the camp as it was and fled for their life and when the lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried away the gold and silver and the raiment and hid it and came back and went into another tent and continued to do the same thing now my my proclamation to you is that when you get up from where you are only god knows what impact that will have on others this is an amazing account of four lepers that were going to die and yet god took their footsteps and he turned the footsteps of four people into the sound of chariots and horses and 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 that sound in the mind of the enemy made them think that they were surrounded by a host of armies from other enemies and they fled they didn't even how can you outflee a horse but yet they left their horses they clearly didn't need their horses they were able to flee faster than if they were on horseback but that's what the sound of the feet of the four leprous men did to the Syrians what does your rising up do to others what does it do remember the bible says that the spirit of god that rose jesus from the dead dwells in us to some people we're dead we we've, we've been written off you know we're never amount to anything we're failures we can't do it we don't know what we're doing but god used these four people who got up they had an awakening they had a eureka moment why sit we here till we die why why sit you where you are until you die that's not 
what God called you to do. He called you to do something. And you know what that something is. Now, in the book of Matthew, in the in the in the Beatitudes, in the first you know five or six uh, chapters of Matthew, Jesus said the, these words several times. He said that you have heard that it was said by them of old, but I say unto you. You see, Jesus had come to 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 elaborate and expound upon the word that the the people knew at the time what they knew was in part and they knew old testament information but i say to you that they needed to hear what jesus said about them that they needed to hear but i say unto you and that jesus has said additional things to you you know what he said to you basically he said he said that you have heard what they said about you before but i say unto you he's saying to you it doesn't matter what they said in the past i'm telling you something new something relevant something current but i say unto you He's empowering you, he's equipping you, and he's enabling you to move forward. But I say unto you. The Bible says that except a grain of seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bring life. And there are times when we have to let the old diminish so that new life would come forth. And another account in Matthew 8, in the Living Bible, uh, Matthew 8 and verse 23 to 27. And he got into a boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a terrible storm came up and the waves higher than the boat. But Jesus was asleep. The disciples went to him and Woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're sinking. But Jesus answered, O ye men of little faith, why are you so frightened? He stood up, he rebuked the wind and the waves, and the storm subsided, and all was calm. The disciples sat there in awe and wondered, what manner of man is this? What a strange thing for the disciples to say about Jesus. This is the same Jesus that they followed. They saw the signs and wonders. They'd seen the miracles and healings. And yet they said, what manner of man is this? And yet at times we too, we say the same thing. We may not say it. But we behave like it. We behave like that there's limitations on Jesus, that there's limitations on our faith. And when we, when we see God move, we are amazed and in awe. But I want you to be expectant. I want you to be expectant 
with the miracle that he wants to do in your life by removing the breaks, by removing the obstacles and the hindrances and the mindsets so that you can go and do what he's prepared you for and what he's equipped you to do. What manner of man is this? In 2 Kings 6 and verse 16, there's another account when Elisha was being hunted uh, and the armies had besieged him. And in verse 16, he said to one of his servants, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. There were soldiers all over the hills who were going to be coming for Elisha and his servant was afraid. And Elisha said that there are more that be with us than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see whose we are and whose we are surrounded by. That we would see the angels, we would see the provision, we would see the open doors, we would see the opportunities, we would see the favour, we would see the mercy and we'd see the grace. I, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the good and not the bad. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Matthew 9 and 16 talks about the new wineskin. It says, No man puts a piece of new cloth into an old garment. For that which is put into it will fill it up, take it from the garment, and the tear is made worse. I believe we've spoken, you know, many times about new wine in new wineskins. And we have been blessed with more and more revelation. And that is, in essence, the new wine. And often we think, how can we have new wine? Are we new wineskins? I've been saved for years. I'm set in my ways. Am I a new wineskin or an old wineskin? But I believe that the revelation God brings about is the new wine. And because it brings about change, then it's no longer an old wineskin, but a new wineskin. You see, it's about the wineskin and the wine being preserved. And God is so merciful in the way in which he brings about change. 
New wine in new wineskin changes our behavior. We can have the revelation, and if we have the revelation and it doesn't change our life, then we're not wineskin. New wine and new wineskin will change our behavior. And that's what God wants for you. It would almost be impossible to have a revelation, have an encounter with God and remain the same. And not all revelations are big bangs, light, lightning bolts. They are just eureka moments, precept upon precept, line upon line. God is showing you who you are and he's showing you some of the tactics of the enemy to hold you back. But as I said before, Jesus has said, but I say unto you, I say unto you, you have heard that it was said by them of old, but I say unto you, he's telling you something new, something fresh, fresh from the throne of God. But I say unto you, but however, all of that was in the past, I'm going to fulfill the past and give you a new wine that will bring about changes and breakthroughs and liberty and joy and peace and the love of God manifested in your life. The woman with the issue of blood, she had, she had that revelation that if I could just touch the hem of his garment, she had that revelation and that, that thought, that fresh wine caused her to go against everything that she had been told regarding her condition, regarding even being there, Jesus. It didn't stop her. In fact, it propelled her. It drove her. It equipped her until she could touch the hem of his garment. She believed that she would be healed. She believed it. She believed what she was unctioned to do. And it, it was fulfilled in her life by her healing being manifested. Jesus, when he spoke to his disciples, when it was time for them to go out and to minister the gospel, he said in Matthew 10 and verse 16, he said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be you therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Imagine being sent out as sheep in the midst of wolves. That, that alone is enough to put you off. But God, but Jesus told them, even in this environment, when you are sheep and you're surrounded by wolves that are just waiting to pounce, waiting to take advantage of you, he told them to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. He didn't, he didn't tell them to take any weapons with them to protect them, but he told them to have a particular character disposition that would be beneficial for them. 
And when we read in the Bible about being wise, we very rarely um, reckon wisdom to a serpent. We often reckon, um, you know, serpents with what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. But a serpent, surprisingly, is a historic symbol of wisdom. And they have transformative skills. And as they shed their skin, it's a symbol of rebirth and transformation. And God wants us to have wisdom as serpents, to know when we need to transform, to know when we need that rebirthing. He also said that we are to be wise and that is a symbol of being cunning, being having an intellect and being prudent. There's a word uh, sagacious, having keen mental discernment and judgment. And now most of those descriptions we don't liken to traditional Christians who love everybody. Um, but God has sent us out to do something. And what we need is to have the ability to allow God to transform us, for God to bring about a rebirthing in our life, and for us to have a keen mental discernment. You know, it takes, our minds must be engaged with what God is going to do and is doing in our lives. We cannot allow our minds to run away with us, with all of the negative words and hindrances and obstacles that we have so often been been feeding on. And as I as I conclude, we must allow the word of God to be sown in good ground. In Matthew 13 and verse 23, it says, "But he that receiveth." Receive the seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understands it, which also bears fruit and brings forth some hundred, some sixty and some thirty. Your life is to bring forth fruit. Your life through a renewal, through a transformation will bring forth fruit if you trust God and allow him to say unto you what he has continued to say unto you. So at the beginning of the message, I read from Romans 7, and I read about the, the dilemma of that which I would do, I do not, and that which I would not, that I do. But as we read Romans 8 and verse 1, the conclusion of the matter is, so having all of those struggles, that there is therefore now no condemnation awaiting those who belong in Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving spirit, and this power is mine through Jesus Christ, has made me free from the vicious cycle of sin and death. Because it goes on to say in Romans 8 that we are to walk in the spirit and not according to the flesh. If we are determined to walk according to the spirit, 
according to those directions that God will speak to you, then you won't have to labour over not doing the things you want to do and doing the things you don't want to do. Because that's what it says in his word. We don't have to live with condemnation, but the power of the life-giving spirit is the power that we have through Jesus Christ who frees us, who frees us from the vicious circle of sin and death. So, as I conclude, we have had some cook-up rice. We've had a nourishing meal. We've had the word of God. We've heard God's perspective on our on our life and on our situation, wherever we find ourselves today. We've heard from the word of God examples of people who arose in the face of in the face of adversity, in the face of situations that seemed hopeless. Why sit we here till we die? Why? And Lord, if I pray that, you know, if your situation, if that seems hopeless and you do not know the Lord, I'd like to give you an opportunity to get to know him. I'd like to lead you through the sinner's prayer that you can get to know this God who knows everything about you. He's the one person that you can ask for direction, for encouragement. And he'll tell you nothing but good because there is nothing but good in store for you with him. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that the hearer of your word today, that they can have this opportunity to get to know you, that they can confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that Jesus, your Son, died for their sins, that they can believe in their heart that he died so that they might have life and might have life more abundantly. Lord, I thank you for drawing them to you. I thank you, Father, for the belief that they have in your son, Jesus, that in him is salvation and freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are, if you are already walking with the Lord, I pray that this word would resonate in your life and would bring forth fruit. I pray that your eyes would be open. I pray that your faith would arise. I pray that you would question some of the things you may or may not be doing in your life. Why sit we here till we die? That you would be as wise as a serpent and as harmless as a dove. A dove was a sign or, or, or token or used to, to reconcile. We are not to go out into the world and bring about trauma bring about antagonism but God has skilled us and given us gifts of reconciliation that he wants you to demonstrate in your life Lord I thank you for the word of God that you've brought to us today I thank you for the new wine I thank you for the new wine that will change our behaviors 
for the new mindsets, for the revelation, for the fire of God, for the for the, for the ability to fight the good fight of faith through your word, Father, and with the tools that you give us. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You may have been a Christian for a long time, or you may be exploring the possibilities of a relationship with God. Wherever you are in your journey of life, please feel free to contact us at Woolwich Community Church if you would like any further information on today's message. We will be happy to talk with you, pray with you, and help you in any way we can. Please see the information below in our bio on how to get in touch with us. Have a blessed week and God bless.